Hi everyone, Terry Welbrock here of the Healing Place podcast and have a beautiful conversation with Anna Ditchburn coming up. Uh, wanted to tell you, first of all, I have a Healers of Hilton Head special series I'm putting out on Mondays and Wednesdays right now and uh, just wanted to invite you to join into those conversations as well, even if you're not on Hilton Head Island because uh, we're having conversations about so many different healing modalities and so this con- this uh, podcast has been downloaded in 120 countries around the world. Yay! And so no matter where you're tuning in in the world, uh, you can learn about these different healing strategies and see if it's something that's available in, in your own community. So yeah, be sure to tune into those. And just a reminder that the podcast, Still Celebrating, has been downloaded or is now rated uh, in the top 2.5% globally out of 2.8 million shows. Wow! It's so amazing. So thank you. I thank you for that. Um, my heart hugs yours. And uh, so much gratitude for you being here, listening, liking, sharing, commenting, inviting others to, uh, to join us. So thanks again. All right. Now for tonight's episode. Welcome, everybody, to the Healing Place podcast. I am your host, Terry Walbrock, uh, coming off a recovery of uh, had a kidney stone attack last week and uh, finally feeling so much better and back at it. So today's my first day of functioning again. <laughs> so what a way to start functioning again. I am so excited to have with me today Anna Ditchberg, and she is world's best life optimization coach. I love that. And host of the World's Best Trauma Recovery Podcast, which I have been on. And again, super thrilled to have you. So welcome, Anna. Terry, it's a, such an honor to be here and to be a first guest after your recovery. Oh my goodness, you went through so much. Thanks. I'm so glad you feel better. So oh, glad. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It, it was... Uh, yeah, that was quite a journey. I don't recommend kidney stones to anyone ever. Uh, you know this, that it's by choice. <laughs> oh my gosh, they're horrible. And then the stent that they put in, they put left a stent in me for eight days. Oh my gosh, that was, sometimes I, I said that was worse than the kidney stone itself. So now it's all behind me and uh, I can say, okay, I can check that off the list and, and moving on. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> So yeah, so talk to us. Uh, well, one, I, I, I think we sh- we need to start with your story of of triumph because um, I know I've learned little bits and pieces from our conversation when I was on your show as a guest. Which thank you very much for that opportunity. Um, so can you talk to us about about your story of of trauma to triumph? Yeah, Terry, absolutely. So thank you so much for introduction. And I think it would be uh, a good place just to let people know where world's best is coming from. Because, you know, some people hear it and like, that's a very eager thing. Not at all. This is my commitment to myself to become the world's best. And there is no competition for world's best best life optimization coach, but it's my commitment to myself. Every morning I wake up and I ask myself, how would the world's best life optimization coach conduct yourself? 
And this came from a many, many, many years of struggle and suffering, suffering in silence. And my story, my story starts when I was four years old and my biological father left our family and never returned. And my mom became a 24 years old, a mother of two during the Russian economic depression. And I was born in Russia. And I remember six years we've been struggling mentally and physically and financially. You know, wouldn't have much money to pay for food or electricity. So I remember we would spend a lot of nights just in the darkness when my mom would sing me a song. And when I was 10, a knight in shining armor came into our life, my stepfather. And we thought, finally, we have a we have a protector, we have a support in our life. But a few months later, he revealed his true face. He was an army guy, horribly abusive and controlling and manipulative man. And I remember me and my younger brother, we learned quick to obey the rules. And we realized quickly that children's emotions mean nothing to this person. <laughs> so it was like an army, to be honest, in our in our in our house. You have to go bed, you have to go to bed at 10 p.m. And God forbidden you make any noise. No. Even if you are sick, even if you have temperature and you need a medicine, medicine, I remember myself, I would rather die than open this door and make any noise. Otherwise, he, he had his army leather belt that he would grab and punish us until he decides to stop. That's enough. And I got used to being so such a good girl you know whatever you tell me i will do uh, i became so perf such a perfectionist i became a people pleaser i learned how to please my stepfather so he's not getting angry every every day i would rush through my uh, from school to home just to know and spend four hours cleaning the house making sure everything like is perfect and spotless because if you would come home and find a hair on the floor or even a drop i would grab by my neck and just pushed into this floor with my face <laughs> or smashed my face against the wall or something wow. so yeah. And imagine, imagine growing, growing up, ten years old, twelve years old. This is the time when you are such a child, when you want to enjoy the life, when you want to go out and spend time with your friends, and instead you have to clean and cook. By the time he comes home, and my mom comes home. Yeah, that, and was he was he affectionate at all, or was it just always just angry and? He wasn't affection uh, at all that I can remember. We had a good time. He would laugh. He would, uh, you know, he would 
buy us uh, things he would uh, uh we would go on adventure or we never we, we've never uh, went on holidays as a family never ever um but he would take us you know to the to the beach or something and i'm pretty sure he was a bipolar because within a second within a snap he could change his behavior from being a good person to a completely disaster if something would go not how he wanted you know this face when you become like your your eyes become red and he just in a second would become like a demonic look that was the scariest moment in our lives ever we would literally living and preparing ourselves for this moment in any second walking right. on the eggshells it was like a normal life we didn't know we by the way we didn't know that there is some different life can be so by the time uh, i was 15 we normalized this life mm -hmm. you know physical and and verbal abuse was like part of our day but when you think things can become even worse when i turned 15 he started systematically sexually abusing me and it resulted in two pregnancies and in two forced illegal abortions and one abortion damaged my reproductive system oh. and now when i wanted to become a mother which was my cherished the most cherished dream i had some challenges i have had 16 consecutive miscarriages including two ectopic pregnancies and one ectopic nearly climbed my life in 2019 when my tube was ruptured <laughs> but terry i'm telling you this story not for any empathy or sympathy i turned my past into my superpower and honestly, after what I what I went through, I don't have a bad day. There is nothing that can upset me anymore. <laughs> Especially, you know, so many people get caught up in a bad uh, or negative emotions when they drive in a traffic traffic jam. I love this time when we are in a traffic jam because I can have this time to myself to think about something, to process something, to create something, or listen to the audiobook. People underestimate this time, honestly. But yeah. what's happened? Well, I love I, I love the idea of um, utilizing, just, just taking a different perspective and, t and switching it around and saying, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not going to use this time to become irritated and annoyed, but really just... All right, so I've been gifted this 20 minutes stuck in this traffic, and what can I do with it? How can I turn it around into a positive? What a, what a great mindset. That's exactly, that's exactly the thing. Uh, what positive things I can get from this situation? Yes. Yeah. And one thing to go back to just for a second is when you were talking, I remember my I had one sibling as well, a younger sibling, and... Uh, us talking later after we had come out of our abusive situation, how we found comfort in the chaos. And so when you were speaking that, yes, it was our norm, that 
that's what we just thought that's how life was lived. And um, so, yes, when we came out into the real world, <laughs> we, it, it was so, it was hard for us to not be in chaos. Did you find the same? A hundred percent. And I want to tell you the story. What's happened next? I left when I was 21. I left the house and my parents split at those time because my father said, if you're leaving the house, I don't need your mother either. So he expelled her. She didn't know anything. She oh. didn't expect it. And I remember moving out, uh, getting a dog from Iranian because I was looking for some someone who will love me. And I had so much love I wanted to give. Getting a dog, it was the best the best time possible. And I honestly thought I finally get rid of this this terrible and horrible and horror literally in my life. But not. What I've noticed, Terry, I brought the this behavior with me. I I became like him. I became so violent. I became so angry at people. I I had high expectations from people. A part of being a people pleaser, a part of being uh, so afraid to speak up, I was so quiet at work. But when I would come home, I would just unleash my rage on my poor Pomeranian. And that's what my stepfather was doing to us. Every time he would come home and it felt like we were the punching bag for him. Because as a kid, you can't respond on a way as a, as a human. Right. And my mom didn't stop his tyrannical parenting because in Russia at those point, for women with two kids, it was shameful to be a single and so she gave him all the opportunities, all the all the rights to do whatever he wants. And Kaios uh, literally was hunting me all the time. And when I when I went to the relationships, uh, in into my relationships, I was sabotaging my partners. I was doing everything, like literally everything, what my stepfather was doing, and I was craving for this you know uh for this attitude from my partners to, to physically or verbally abuse me because not that i wanted but it was i think subconsciously mm -hmm. happening and i remember i remember first first time when i left the house and I just want to for your listeners to to really, really understand this point. Uh, what really helped me is one thing: decide, decide. Enough is enough. And I promise you, as soon as you decide, as soon as you commit to something, the right people, the right time, the opportunities start coming from nowhere. That's what I've noticed because I was leaving my house. I was 21. I just started my job as a waiter. I rented the apartment. I remember I, I couldn't find where I'm going to live. 
but and just one person came to me and he said by the way um my neighbor my neighbor is renting the apartment out uh, i remember i was seeking the advertising i wrote on the paper i'm looking for the apartment and i was walking around and you know putting it on a, on the door on people's doors um uh or like uh, you know the special things for the for the advertising and i didn't know what to expect and i i didn't have much money to pay for it and yet one person saw me doing this and he said you know my neighbor is renting your apartment apartment i sh i think you should talk to her and she gave me the her apartment rented it out for exactly the price price i needed Yes. And again, so the energy that you you shifted again mm -hmm. in the energy you were putting out is what started coming back to you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Now, and did your mom, did your mom move in with you or did she, did she find her own place? She moved in with my grandmother. But what mm -hmm. was happening, Terry, she, she was so codependent on my stepfather she was in a codependent relationship with him and if someone doesn't know what codependent means it's literally when one one person emotionally emotionally depends on other it's when parents uh, allow their alcoholic kids stay in their house instead of helping them and enabling them to drink you know mm -hmm. it's when a, uh, a woman stays in a house with abusive men and is not leaving him because she's emotionally attached to him that's something similar and i saw it now now when i look back i've realized there is a codependent relationship with him was with him she moved with my grandmother and i wanted to find something separate um because i couldn't stay with her she was in a horrible horrible place in a deepest depression i've ever seen i didn't know that depression exists by the way <laughs> until until then and she was in a depression for seven years wow after they separated yeah so now how did you find your way onto the healing path it's a very good question, Terry. I'm glad you asked. <laughs> uh, four years ago in September, I finally met the partner of my dreams. He stopped me on the street of Melbourne. I moved to Australia by those time. He stopped me on the street and he looked at my eyes and he said, excuse me, but you are stunning. And I wonder if you would like to have a drink with me one day. Now, this guy doesn't drink, doesn't smoke. <laughs> uh, he doesn't doesn't do drugs or anything. Uh, and that, that all those things were on my list. And a year and a half uh, into our relationship, I think it was my miscarriage number 11. Oh. We were in the hospital and the doctor called me aside and he said, Anna, you had four miscarriages with your ex-partner and you had um, another eight miscarriages or was it seven miscarriages with 
your current partner. So it's not about your partner. It's about you. And we did, uh, I did uh, a huge investigation and 10 different doctors couldn't find any physical reason. And he said, you know, it's not about, about physical uh, issues. It's something in your heart, in your mind that you mm. need to look at. And very, it struck me. And I knew exactly what it was. And I told my, my partner, Laban, what's happened to me as a teenager. And his response was, he responded the way I was always hoping for. He was able to provide me the best support ever. And that's how my healing journey began. Two years through the emotional roller coaster, honestly. When I, I first, first, I denied that this, this sexual abuse impacted my life in any way. And I didn't want to tell to anyone a part of my partner. Uh, and he was this, the very second person I've ever told Terry. I I was so terrified that people will find out and they will just disappointed at me or think I'm broken or don't want to work with me or be in a in a relationship on a French in a friendship. It was a hard time. And I remember my memories started to coming up. My flashbacks started to coming up. Uh, flashbacks when my stepfather would physically tear apart my younger brother, my six years old younger brother, and I couldn't stop him. And this suddenly this rage, this anxiety, this pain, uh, huge feelings of shame came out. I and I found myself standing on a 38th floor in a, in our apartment in our balcony looking down and thinking Anna just jump just jump and and it it will be over i was desperately seeking for a peace for this internal ease feeling because there when people saying when you start looking back and everything starts to come, coming back. It can re-traumatize you. Mm -hmm. But honest and honestly, it feels like, you know, you're standing in front of this dark tunnel. And you know you when you when you go in there, you won't be able to see anything. It's gonna be lonely, it's gonna be dark, it's gonna be scary. But that's how it feels like living in a in a quietness oh. it's lonely it's scary it's it's painful and i remember going through my healing journey it felt like going through the tunnel and when when i came up on another side oh my goodness this blue sky <laughs> these green trees the birds are singing it's the be the best feeling ever the it's not going through the healing journey that re-traumatizing us it's keeping the secret and holding this burden that 
pretty traumatizing us again and again and again. Yes. I remember my moment that was the same, standing in a shower with a razor blade in my hand and thinking, just make it end, make this pain stop. And it was long before I had started my healing journey. And thankfully, my two oldest children, their their faces fast flashed in front of me. And I was like, oh, I could never, I ever, ever do this to my children. And I ended up taking myself to the hospital because I knew I needed help at that point. Um, but yes, it's, it's at that point, I remember again, when I started on my journey, being what you just said, so resonated being in my own body, there was no safe place. Like Mm -mm. like, being in my own body was terrifying because you're right. Those flashbacks were there. Those memories were there. Those panic attacks were there. The scary feelings were there. All of that was there. And I, at the time I had no idea how to, how to live with that, how to release it, how to process it. And so, yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. And just what you said about you make it into the light and it's like, Oh, it's so beautiful and wonderful that you and I can't help, but then reach our hands back into that dark place and, and help others out of it because we've lived it. Exactly. Exactly. And I slowly started to realize what is my, I uh, current behaviors are coming from because as I mentioned Terry I was a, such a people pleaser yeah. I would I would say yes to people when I wanted to say no I would try I, I would try to make people happy you know by just uh, doing more for them or dressing up better or uh you know giving more money or something just so they love me i was seeking validation from outside big time i was working for 10 hours a day just to prove myself just just to uh to to do not let people down making mistakes was like a death honestly I was so terrified of making mistakes. I was a, such a perfectionist that it was holding me back so bad. And when I started to uh, connecting those points, Terry, where is this coming from? I realized I need help. I honestly need help. And my first time when I told my story, I remember I had a, such a huge release. And it was... um it was a, a lady, she was a counselor. She was horrified. She didn't expect this could, This is coming. <laughs> it was the best thing I've ever done for myself. Start telling my story. And I know it's not the case with everyone. And if you're not ready to start sharing your story, write it down. Just write it down like no one is is going to read it. And one of the best advices, advice I've ever received is start with the most scariest moment in your life, with the deepest, darkest. It's, it has a, such a therapeutical effect on your body, on your mind, and on your life. It's so true. I have, if I would pan my camera right now, you'd see a big pile of journals right here on the corner of my desk and filled with 
Yes, all of all of that and then some. And uh, oh my gosh, writing can be so cathartic. And another thing I've told people too is that if you write it down, but you're terrified someone's going to find it or read it, or you'll you know you'll keel over dead, and then you you know mm-hmm. there's your story out there, right? Then you can just do a little ceremonious, like say a prayer over it or whatever you need to do, burn mm-hmm. it and release it. But at least you've gotten it out of you and you've you've released and processed. And yes, oh, writing is so cathartic. Yes. Um, my, my my second advice for people uh, would be uh, the first is decide. The second is surround yourself with people who had a similar experience, who went through this experience and who came on another side even more stronger, even more positive, uh, with uh, so, such a strong learnings that you can learn from. Because I remember I was looking for someone who can answer those questions. Why? Why it happened to me? How did I attract this in my life, into my life? Why? He was my father. He raised me from six, from 10 years old. How can he possibly do this to me how he can possibly even think of me i was i just turned 15 years old i was like a ugly ducklings duckling like and i was looking i had i started to have having so many questions why 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 this why that and i remember i just went to google and you know google knows everything (laughs) and everyone and i found this lady uh, her name is Dr. Bridget Cooper, and it was her talk about pain uh, on TED Talks. And I remember looking, watching her talk. She was sharing her story, how her father was abusing her sexually since she was a toddler, oh. and her mom knew everything. And and I was looking, I was watching her, and I thought, I was thinking, how confident you are how open and honest you are and how authentic you are. I wonder if one day I can be like her. I wonder if one day I can share my story to help others to heal. And it was such a, such a wonderful moment for me, Terry. And she told, she she shared that she went through uh, a healing journey and she forgave her, her father and her mother. And, this this really helped me to do my healing journey. And Terry, I forgave my stepfather for doing this to me. I forgave my biological father for leaving us and never be there for me when I needed him the most. I forgave my mom for not being able to protect me. And most importantly, I forgave myself. I forgave myself because... I've been blaming myself for so many years for what happened to me. Yeah. And this is the most difficult probably part of <laughs> childhood sexual abuse. <laughs> yes. And- well, I know you and I have talked about it before because I went through a forgiveness journey too. Yes. And uh it's I say it's not a requirement, but wow, everyone I know who's gone the forgiveness route has had such a release such a weight lifted 
And in September last year, in 2021, Terry, I finally had the courage to tell my mom what was going on. Oh. I was on the uh, on a WhatsApp on a video call with her. I was coming from my 11th hypnotherapy session and I was boiling my eyes. I was crying. I was ready. I knew I was ready. And I wanted to tell her not because I needed some empathy. I wanted to tell her because I wanted her to start her own healing journey. Because up until now, up until September last year, Terry, she was waiting for my stepfather to come back. And it's been nearly 15 years. She's been waiting for him. She couldn't get into a relationship because she she thought maybe it's her fault. Maybe she she's done something. And every time she would try to get back with him, I would become angry. It's like, Mama, only if you knew how terrible this person is. Only if you knew. And I finally told her what he had he he's done to me. And he said, Dora, why didn't you tell me before? And I didn't for all these years because he was he was he was telling me that if I ever revealed my secret, he my younger brother and my mom will struggle. And knowing how abusive he was, I believed him. And he inserted so much shame in me. Telling if I if my mom f- will ever find out she will hate me, hate me for breaking her women's ha- woman's happiness, and for me to lose my mom was the worst thing possible. And she asked me why didn't you tell me before, and I said, Mom, I thought you're gonna hate me. And she said, Anna, I will never ever hate you. You are my daughter, and even if the whole world will be against you. I will always stand by your side and pass you the patrons. (laughs) Terry, 20 years just flied in front of my eyes and I thought, oh my goodness, why did I wait for 20 years to tell her? And what's the best thing ever, Terry? We became like this. We became so close. We became so connected. Our relationship has improved dramatically. There wasn't the wall anymore. There wasn't an elephant in the room anymore. And she she became a mama bear straight away. She became so protective over me. And I felt her strength. And it gave me the strength to, to testify against my stepfather. And I went back to Russia. And I faced him and I told my story to everyone. I published my story in the biggest magazine ever, (laughs) in the biggest magazine in my hometown. And I took my power back. He was so miserable, Terry. He was so miserable. If I would spend 20 more years thinking how would my mom would react, how my mom would react, what my stepfather would tell me, what people will think of me. I would probably die miserable doing 
exactly the things what I've been doing for 20 years. Pleasing people, being quiet, afraid, fearful, anxious. Now I took my power back. And Terry, what I've gone through, nothing can stop me now. Nothing can scare me now. And when I published my my story in my hometown, I left my email address saying, girls, if you are going through a similar situation and you have no one to talk to, send me an email. Hundreds and hundreds of emails. My inbox just exploded. And I received so many stories from women and men who never, ever told what's happened to them. And they felt compelled compelled to share because they knew I'm not going to judge them, um, judge them. I'm not going to, you know, uh, make them guilty in what's happened to them. And I just decided to be, to become the biggest voice for those people. Yes. And, and, and it's not, it's not about me anymore. It's not about my story anymore. It's helping people to understand that the more we keep quiet, the, the longer we keep quiet, the more sexual abuse is happening. So I feel responsible for those children um, as a child, childhood sexual abuse survivor to, to protect them, to stop this crime from happening. Oh, well, thank you, because your voice is needed, and what a gift. And I know when I finally started putting my truth out there, oh, wow, the response, and you're right, people would send me private messages through Facebook, or call me, or text me, or say, hey, can we meet up and, you know, have lunch together? And then they would tell me their story and say, I'd never told anyone before about this, and this is what happened to me. And, uh, Yes. And sharing our truths, that's where soul connections happen. That's where healing happens. Um, so yes, what a, what a beautiful gift. So now your work as a coach, do you do one-on-one -on -one coaching? Do you do group coaching or both? I'm doing a one-on-one -on -one coaching at the moment. Uh, and I'm also using a hypnotherapy in my coaching because Theory, hypnotherapy helped me a lot. And what I realized through hypnotherapy and through coaching, I was able to face my deepest, darkest, but my coach was holding my hand when I was having the most difficult times. She was there for me. She believed in me. She, she was so confident about me before even I became confident about myself. <laughs> And so I incorporated this in my coaching practices, uh, hypnotherapy and uh, life optimization. When we look into uh, three pillars, it's uh, your health, your career, and your relationship. Because I was struggling in my career. I was working at the bank up until uh, last year. And I remember going to work even though the uh, a beautiful organization, beautiful people, but I've realized it wasn't my destiny. It wasn't what I was looking for. And so now I'm helping people to find their why. What, what's, their, what's their purpose on this planet? 
and it's the fulfillment theory. You would agree with me when people send you those messages. It's how how it makes you feel. It's this the fulfillment. Finally, I'm doing something that is worthy. Oh, for sure. I call this my soul work because it really does. It lights up my soul. I I just I know that mm. when uh, the work I'm doing is resonating. And I know I can tell with you too, because you just have this beautiful glow about you. When we met, you just, your energy is just, it's so embracing. Like you just, you, you pulled me in. And, and I know so many people feel that way. Um, and it's so authentic. I think, and it's authentic because it is, it's your, it's your gift to the world that you're giving all of us survivors. Exactly, exactly, Terry. And I remember from our conversation, the main thing is to eliminate all those negative beliefs, all those negative feelings that are holding us back from being the person who we meant to be, who we want to be. Yes. Yeah. Beautiful. So I know we could sit here and talk for another three hours, but I wanted to give you an opportunity. Is there anything that you wanted to touch upon that we we didn't have a, a chance to talk about? The main thing, uh, if uh, your listeners, um, if if your listeners are having trouble with processing their childhood sexual abuse, the main thing I want to say, it is not your fault. It is not your fault. It's never, ever your fault or child's child fault. I remember when some someone told me when my 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 article went published, they were like, "Oh, you know, you're like 15 years old. You knew what you're doing. Uh, you probably provocated your stepfather on abusing you." One thing I've learned, even if 15 years old girl or boy naked jump on their father's uh in their father father's arms and try to kiss or something a normal man a responsible man and woman will always put them aside say hey you go and put your clothes on you're having some troubles here we need to talk Right. Never ever responsible man or, or woman will will use this situation. Right. And if some of your listeners are ready to do this work, if they are ready to go through this tunnel and come up on another on another side, find their superpower, I would love to help them. Because I know how it feels. I know how it feels on one side, and I know how it feels on another side. So, would love to, would love to gift your listeners a forty me forty five minutes a breakthrough session, where we would go through twenty eight powerful questions, where you can find, where you can realize what was happening to you in the past and how it relates and how it impacts your life in the future. Wonderful. So now how do people, how do they connect with you and, and sign up for that? The best way is to go on my website. It's anadigburn.com. 
You can also find me on Facebook. It's Mrs. Anna Ditchburn and Instagram or LinkedIn, the same name. Wonderful, wonderful. Oh, I just let Terry know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> we are great friends now. <laughs> yes, I know. Well, and I, I saw when you put out on a Facebook that your it was at your mom's birthday and uh, you had put out and the pictures of you two together. I mean, it, it just melted my heart. So you can just tell the love and uh, relationship. It's so beautiful. I loved seeing it. So I love being connected because, yes, way to, way to stay in each other's lives. And it's wonderful. Yes, yes. All right. Well, it's just been such a joy to have you here on the show. Thank you again for your beautiful energy, the work you're doing to guide others along their healing journey. So thank you. Thank you so much for this amazing opportunity, Terry. I appreciate it a lot. And your podcast is one of the most important podcasts oh. in the world. You do such an amazing job. So oh. thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> made my heart smile. So thank you. All right. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us today on the Healing Place podcast. And remember, until next time, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Terry Welbrock again. Just wanted to thank you for listening to the episode today and remind you to visit my website as well as the Academy terrywellbrock.com for the courses but if you go to my website terrywellbrock.com you can sign up for my monthly hope for healing newsletter which is also jam-packed with information and strategies and blog pieces and guest blog pieces and links to shows um, and just a great space for uh, again heal thanks for again being here and being a part of this healing space i very much appreciate you all right Bye-bye.